0: Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great podcast. Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is a podcast where Brian Winhurst and a team of ESPN insiders sort out life in and around the NBA world, now three times a week, and also available on YouTube. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. ladies and gentlemen welcome to the right time my name is Bobani Jones thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast rate us review us give us five stars you only give us four stars I'm inclined to believe you are a hater coming up on this episode of the right time we're gonna talk about Dusty Baker finally getting that ring also because we have to again revisiting Kyrie Irving but first All right, uh, NFL action. You know it's all bad when Lil Wayne has given up. Now, I mean, Lil Wayne one of these dudes that seem to root for like eight different teams. right, he's one of those. They kind of seem to bounce around or whatever, but I guess there's been a certain measure of loyalty to the Packers. He got on and said that the season was over and that they should have gotten rid rid of 12 before this season. And I got to be honest with you. I saw Lil Wayne had uh, sent out a tweet that had such a, you know, passionate distaste for 12. I thought he was talking about the police. I like, you know, I, I I don't I don't think of Lil Wayne as Packers fan. Like I don't associate him with that necessarily. He ain't from Milwaukee or nothing like that. So I look up a man talk about, you know, they should have got rid of 12. I was like, look at Lil Wayne, hashtag defund the police. No, 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 no. That's not what he was talking about. He talked about the Packers were three and six. And the Packers situation is so bad that somehow I had it in my mind that they were playing the Commandos this week. And so I was like, man, that's such a bummer, right? We got a friend that's a big Commandos fan. And I was going to be like, damn, losing to the Commandos made Lil Wayne give up. And then I remembered, no. They had already lost to the commandos. This time, they lost to the Lions. And not only did they lose to the Lions, they lost to the Lions like 15 to nine. And the Lions defense is the worst. I don't know if they are like full loss statistically the worst, but they are the worst. And they can only put nine points up on those dudes yikes 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 and look the Packers put all that money on Aaron Rodgers like they're in on this if I'm not mistaken they are gonna have to be in on this next year also right how can they not be once you sink the loot in what's so wild about the way that the Packers have handled Aaron Rodgers is this when they made that move to take Jordan Love I thought it made sense. I didn't think it was nearly the bad idea that other people did. Because you watch Air Rodgers slip for a couple of years and the time looked like it was going to be coming pretty clearly where you needed to go find a new quarterback. And so instead of waiting until you absolutely had to get one, they tried to buy themselves some time. They felt like a first round pick, you know, a, a, like a guy they'd want had slipped down into the 20s. That doesn't happen very often. And so they went ahead and jumped on it. Okay, cool. I understand that. But it's been you know, two years and change since they took Jordan Love. This would be year three for him. Nobody seems to be saying anything to indicate that they think he's ready even now to be the starter for the Packers. In the times that we have seen him play, which to be fair, have not necessarily been that often, that dude didn't look like a starting quarterback. So of course, Aaron Rodgers goes out there and becomes MVP Aaron Rodgers again. But they took a quarterback in that draft like at a time where they could have used some weapons To help him out. They understandably thought it was time to move him out of there. And now we look up. And he doesn't have weapons. And it looks like it's time to move him out of here. But it doesn't look like they have a quarterback. I'm looking for the bright side guys. It's not there. I see no evidence of brightness. When it comes to the Packers. And Aaron Rodgers situation. And what's got to make it even worse for them is that the NFL is full of mediocre divisions. Like, your boy gonna look up right now and get himself a look at the NFL standings, okay? You got this weird thing where somehow everybody in the AFC East is over 500. Somehow, just about everybody in the NFC East is over five hundred with the commandos raging in at four and five. Then everywhere else, it just seemed like boo boo. The NFC South, everybody's got a losing record. uh The AFC South, it's the Titans and a bunch of teams with losing records. Keep it in mind right now the Titans out there trot Malik trot Malik Willis out there and he doesn't seem like he could throw the ball. Gabe, you remember when we thought that the AFC West was going to be this unstoppable juggernaut, and now the Raiders are two and six, the Broncos are three and five. Right? Now the NFC North is interesting because the Vikings, the seven and one team that none of us are sure are good, they got a four and a half game lead in the division but this is a year where the Packers didn't need to be like anybody's great necessarily they just needed to be halfway decent and maybe just maybe in the right division and then they'd be able to pull it off like right now in the NFC West four and four will get you in to the playoffs like four and four got the uh I'm at the NFC generally but four and four would get San Francisco into the playoffs right now as a wild card That's where we are. And the Packers are three and six in the division with the team that they probably think they should be better than, but got no chance to catch, right? If a couple things break a little bit differently and they wind up in a slightly different place, they might be able to like scratch this thing together and figure it out. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers is out here throwing the ball to a bunch of people that seem to win a raffle. Like, hey, look on the back of your ticket. Do you see a a green dot? Oh, you get to play wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. Isn't that something? It went from Aaron Rodgers starting with all the optimism in the world. Now that man just seen burnout. Can't believe what in the world that's happened. Uh, Gabe, did you see this? That apparently people were looking at him on the sideline looking miserable, and he said that people were looking too close, and he's not miserable. And I'm asking you right now, what about Aaron Rodgers tells you that he would be anything other than miserable when his team is 3-6? and guess he's just got a resting miserable face <laughs> yo it is so bad because they fixed everything remember how bad it was and he wanted to get out of there but they seemed to talk it out and make everything work it was actually something i didn't think he got nearly enough credit for that he like he went from where he was and found a better place and the team was in a better place and he acknowledged that he and the team had worked it out and all of that stuff, right? Like, I thought it was the kind of thing that more people should take a look at, right? Like, just the idea this has been bad, but it wasn't something that couldn't be corrected with some communication. They communicated, he was upfront about that fact. Everything was cool. Now, look at him. Now, look at him. Now, meanwhile, the Packers are three and six, and the New York Jets are six and three. Didn't see that coming at all. They lost Brees Hall. They still coming out here winning games. They went out there and they won themselves a game against the juggernaut that is the Buffalo Bills. And it's interesting, like football, I think something we forget about is that once it gets to the postseason, it's a single elimination sport. And so I hear people talk about no, I don't think anybody's gonna be able to beat Buffalo. No, somebody's gonna be able to beat Buffalo, right? These are still NFL teams. Somebody's going to be able to beat them, and you only got to be able to beat them once. That's it. And the Jets look like the team that were able to beat them. They went out there, and they got that done. The thing that's interesting to me about the Jets, who, oh, by the way, are a mere half game out of first place. The thing to me about the Jets is, I looked up, and what was a terrible team not long ago is a team that looks pretty damn good everywhere except for quarterback. Now look, I want to be careful about this because young quarterbacks can get better, right? Like there is a tendency, and I find myself subscribing to this, to bury quarterbacks when they're not there in year two, right? So like for me, Josh Allen would be a great case. As a dude to me that wasn't there in year two, and then year three, everything picked up. Maybe that's the case with the Jets, right? Maybe that's what they got with Zach Wilson, that next year everything is going to look different right i mean to be fair to him he's had some injury problems and everything else so maybe next year everything looks different but right now they appear to be a quarterback away and to be fair to the jets they went into a draft that had quarterbacks and as of now none of them have panned out I have seen a remarkable level of enthusiasm for Justin Fields that is building. And I do think they're starting to use him a little better and put him on the move and all of that stuff. Got you. It's there. I don't think that if he was playing for the Jets, that people would have been able to find the optimism because that's not how playing for the Jets works. Right. Like that's just that's just not really how the game goes when it's with them. They'd have been all over him. From the very beginning, but they were in a draft that had quarterbacks, at least that's what we were told, and they needed to get a quarterback. It's not like they should have gone and got a different one is my point. If they had gone and gotten Trey Lance, how you think that's going? I wouldn't be that optimistic about where it would be right now. They went and got Justin Fields. How's that going? I wouldn't be optimi- optimistic. Had they gone and got Mac Jones, whoo, boy, have you seen that dude play? It still ain't looking good over there for them. I don't understand why they don't have my man Zap in there yet, right? Like, I've seen no evidence as of yet that Mac Jones is a better quarterback than, than the Zap band. I haven't seen it. Not once. All right. So the Jets, what do you do if you've got this team and it turns out that you don't have a quarterback? And I'm thinking long term here. Happy for you guys this year. And maybe I'm doing something the Jets fans won't like, which is you finally got a reason to be happy about something. And I'm out here looking for the thing that you're not going to be happy about. But I was watching the game and afterward uh, they brought Zach Wilson out there for the interview, right? They're like, oh, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson. You know what? I get it, man. He's the quarterback, and you try to do whatever it is in this league that you can to hype up the quarterbacks. But if you'll give me a brief moment uh, to pull up those Zach Wilson statistics, I, I, I don't feel like that was a guy that put up a performance where we needed to come talk to him. Yeah, Gabe, 18 for 25 for 154 yards and one touchdown, and they giving him the microphone. That ain't it, man. That ain't it. Right. But I mean, you root for a team that finds itself talking itself into its quarterback, even though it know they know he's not very good. Right. I don't know if people are talking themselves into him anymore, other than just, they know what they have and they're not necessarily
1: Mm -hmm. happy with it, but it is what it is at this point.
0: Yeah. I feel like with him, there is a measure of talking in with Garoppolo. Um, but it's after wins yeah hey, yeah look jimmy can do that right right right
1: jimmy jimmy, jimmy, can, jimmy can pull that
0: yeah maybe hopefully there we go but no, that's where the jets are and with the bills congratulations to josh allen and when i say congratulations this is what i mean some of the josh allen stuff from when he was young is still present he still occasionally makes a whiskey tango foxtrot decision he still even in his greatness he still will give the defense a chance right he will put the ball in their hands and give them a chance and he threw two awful interceptions against the Jets but Josh Allen has reached a point now where like he's allowed to have a bad game like this is the thing that can be frustrating for me in the way that people evaluate Lamar Jackson is that people are still out here treating every game as a referendum on him and no I think he's done enough to where that is in the case and that's the same way I feel about Josh Allen like you're not gonna come to me and be like oh Josh Allen had a bad game no that happens sometimes he plays in the NFL Patrick Mahomes didn't have a great game on Sunday night even though he threw about 850 passes he didn't have a great game but it's Patrick Mahomes like you recognize sometimes that's gonna happen no matter who the quarterback happens to be you know like that's what it's going to be that's how those things are going to go But this is a mediocre league, man. I I just don't feel like there's any way around that fact. This is a mediocre league. The two teams with the best record in the NFL both have quarterback questions. I can't think of a time that I felt that way, though I guess last year the Titans won the one seed in the AFC and Ryan Tannehill was always, to a degree, some kind of quarterback question. But the two teams with the best records in the league have Jalen Hurts, who, good for you, dude, I see you, still not sold and Kirk Cousins I don't know what I'll have to do to be sold to be perfectly honest right I don't have any idea but that's where the NFL is like this is the total year of NFL parody supposed to be the thing that makes everything good man I looked at the set of games that they had this week and I don't feel like last week was necessarily much better but this was an awful slate of games there's just no way around it like some of it was bad luck That Titans Chiefs, which actually turned into a decent game, but you wind up with a backup quarterback out there on one side. We're going to have Ravens Saints Monday night with a bunch of injuries on each side. Like, it just feels like just about all these teams are the same level of meh. 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 That's what we got. We got a whole lot of meh in the NFL. But it don't matter. You give us a close game. We'll talk ourselves into enjoying it. Except for Aaron Rodgers. He ain't enjoying nothing. All right, shout out to uh H-Tine. H-Tine, I see you. Got that World Series, two World Series in the last six seasons. That's a big win. Of course, this one is a little bit different for the Astros because at least this time, nobody thinks they would cheat. Now, nobody thought they were cheating at the time that they were cheating before, but now you can't really say anything about it. They went out there. They got the win. It's not even really the same team that they had before. Like, you think about it like a guy like Correa is not there anymore, for example. You look at the changes in pitching staff and all of that stuff. Like, things have changed. They've they've picked this thing up um, that they got, and good for them. And they got the World Series win, and if my Twitter told me anything... It seemed like a whole lot of people are really happy for Dusty Baker, at least black folks are. I don't necessarily know how this goes with our other people because, I mean, Dusty Baker, Dusty Baker brings out weird things in a lot of people. Um, I was going through Dusty's managerial record the other day. Now, this is a record that I personally don't think that anybody is going to ever be able to break. Do you realize that Dusty Baker has been fired Three different times after seasons in which his team won 90 games. Three different times. It happened with the Giants. It happened with the Reds. It happened with the Nationals. Now, with the Nationals, after Dusty left, they did wind up winning a championship. But it took a while for the Giants to get that thing going, right? And once they did, they won three World Series in five years. But it took a minute before they were able to get that going in San Francisco after they let go of him. The Reds, I mean, they kind of got laughably bad after they decided that Dusty Baker was the problem. To the point where that man wound up in a situation where he was having to offer himself up to get more jobs. To get interviews. Like he was having to invite himself to these places, hoping to get a job. And what job opened up for him to take? Anybody that follows this show or has been listening to me for a while, they know exactly what it had to be a cleanup job. It is amazing, America's dedication to diversity once it's time to clean stuff up. Oh, we've got a giant scandal. How'd you like to put your credibility on the line to help us? Oh, man, this is a job so bad that no white man will be able to do it. How dare we ask him to suffer that indignity? Say there, brother. How'd you like to come down here and get yourself a paycheck? Now, the Astros situation with Dusty was interesting, though, because, yes, there was a scandal to clean up, but there was also a pretty good roster that was there. And the scandal part, I would argue, actually worked out fairly well in, because the the post-scandal season was during the pandemic. So there wasn't that much hell to be had. And you saw it by the time they came around. Some people took their, you know, they they enjoyed having their chance to stick it to the Astros. But I don't think it's anything like it would have been had the season gone on in 2020, right? Like people, people had their minds on other things by then. But he took that cleanup job. And I think the best argument, if you're Dusty Baker, for taking that cleanup job was... I win a championship here. How are you going to keep me out of the Hall of Fame? And it's going to be hard to. Why? Because what did I tell you about this man winning 90 games in all these places? The only job he had where he didn't win 90 games was with the Cubs, where I think the most wins they wound up with was 88. But what he'll always be remembered for is the fact that they did not win that World Series in 2003. The other thing that Dusty Baker had the hardest time living down was the quote that he had that he didn't like guys walking because they clog up the base pass. If there's anything he's ever wanted back in this world, I would imagine it is that line right there because it just made people, especially those who are more inclined toward sabermetrics and analytics, to just look at him as somebody who was basically stupid. Like, that was the way that it was played, and all it really takes is a black dude to say one thing that don't make no sense, and all of a sudden, you're just going to make him a moron, largely because that's where people lean in the first place, right? You give them a little bit of confirmation, and then boom, it goes from there. My thing is, after you get to, like, the fourth team, I feel like there's a recognition here that, wow, when you have this guy as your manager, there's a good chance you're going to win, The players like playing for him, which is a very important thing in baseball because they be around each other all the time, every day. Ain't nobody getting no break off of each other. And so to get to the Hall of Fame, Dusty Baker had to take a job that honestly I could argue was beneath him. right? You guys messed up. You guys need somebody to clean this up. Oh, now you want to call me? Now you want to call me oh okay but he did it and I was glad to see the level of happiness that people had about the fact that he got the job but if you want to know what it is like to be black and be in these positions and wonder like damn what is actually good enough don't forget about the Cubs that 2003 thing happened right I don't think it was all Dusty Baker's fault. I don't think losing the 2002 World Series was necessarily Dusty's fault. He just had the really bad look of handing the game ball to Russ Ortiz as he walked off. Like that—that That is a defining memory, one that I will probably never be able um, to forget. It's like, oh man, you're going to wish you hadn't done that one. But my man got it. And my man earned it. And my man deserved it. But don't forget how it had to go in order for him to get there and to just recognize the base level of insanity that it is that that man had to go begging for the opportunity to get jobs in spite of the track record that he had. In spite of it, right? Because honestly, if the worst case scenario that you have for hiring somebody is... But damn, I think we might win 90 games. Like, that's bad? Like, that's not what you want? Because apparently that was not what Cincinnati wanted. Apparently that was not what San Francisco wanted. That was not what the Nationals wanted. All of those things. It wasn't it. But now Dusty's got what all of them want. That rain. Don't matter if they manage to get some other ones. They still want to have this one. And they probably all of them have a better chance at getting another one if that dude was in that dugout with them toothpicks making it happen. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass, subscription required. We know you can't be on top of all the news and information of the day. No need for the social media feeds. We got you. Now, if you haven't heard. If You Haven't Heard is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. All right, Money. this first story comes from Tech.
2: I'm Samantha Cole, a senior editor at Motherboard, Vice's Tech Outlet. Everyone's talking about the metaverse, a version of our online lives that's rendered in three dimensions and performed in real time, like a VR headset or a platform like Roblox or VRChat. Mark Zuckerberg recently turned his entire company into a metaverse-focused operation, hoping that people will work and live as avatars. But no one's buying it. Recent reports show that Mark's VR platform, Horizon Worlds, is bleeding users by the hundreds of thousands, and his gamut into the metaverse has resulted in an operating loss of $3.7 billion just in the last year. Despite all this, all the metaverse hype has attracted corporations and brands who are standing up half-baked interactive ads. For example, I tried one where I shot Wendy's burgers at a basketball hoop. These companies are ignoring what virtual world developers like Second Life, Roblox, VRChat, and many others have known for a long time. Successful metaverse experiences are community-driven, built from the ground up, and spontaneous.
0: Dog, did anybody ask for this? Like, my thought whenever metaverse stuff comes up is just, did anybody ask for this? I can't. And maybe I'm just not the right person. Maybe I'm out of the age range. Maybe I'm out of the demo. I just don't feel like this is something that anybody asked for. And I don't feel like it's something that once people find out about it, they're like, oh, yeah, where's this been my whole life? Like, I do think for, like, Facebook and Twitter and some of these other platforms that what, nobody asked for them, but when they got them, they were like, oh, yes, yeah, he was going on here. I can make this work. Like, I don't know anybody that's a metaverse person. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe I need to go talk to somebody else but man this stuff i've been reading about facebook and what the metaverse stuff is doing to their bottom line and how salty their investors are getting because they feel like their ceo ain't got his eyes on the prize because he's so locked in on this thing that none of them think is worth the time and effort it is wild man wild like go look at what's happened to the facebook share price and it's not just something about what's happened post pandemic or anything else like people thought this thing was going to truck forever and it doesn't sound like it's going to I don't think that people thought that Twitter was going to truck forever, but uh, Elon Musk is like, yo, anybody got a match? All I have is gasoline, right? He just seems to be like, like Elon Musk, Elon Musk acting like somebody who want to tear down a house to build a new one. And the people are like, yeah, but we don't have anywhere else to live. Like, what exactly is it that we're going to do here? Um, but it's going to be interesting to me to watch what happens with, you know, what, what's the group called? The F-A-A-N-G Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, right? These are those tech companies that people felt like were just always going to be at the vanguard of what's going on. But for some of them, the bill on a bunch of stuff is coming due. Like with Netflix, the bill was coming due. The pricing and everything that they had that was set up to dominate market share, then all of a sudden, the bill was coming due. I honestly don't know what Amazon can do to mess this up, but somebody always manages to find a way. But with Facebook, I think we just looked up and it was just like, hey, people don't really like this anymore and you're offering them something they didn't ask for and it's going to cost a bazillion dollars for you to make this work. Yeah, uh, gr- let me know how that goes. Please do. All right, Bo, this next one comes from Science and Health.
3: Hi, my name is Erin Prater and I'm a public health reporter with Fortune Magazine and Fortune.com. a mix of the deadly Delta COVID strain that peaked late last year in the US and the easily transmissible Omicron strain. Sounds like the stuff of nightmares, right? Not necessarily, but we'll get to that in a bit. Back in January, all eyes were on the strain, a Franken-virus of sorts. Thankfully, it failed to take flight and it fell off the radar of many members of the public. But the concept didn't fall off the radar of scientists, a good thing, because Deltacron wasn't a one-time phenomenon. This fall, conditions are right for the development of a Deltacron strain that could actually take off, experts say. That's because the virus that causes COVID, SARS-CoV-2, is spreading and mutating at an unprecedented rate. There's plenty of Omicron circulating with which to make a Deltacron recombinant. Trackers have their eyes on hundreds of COVID variants, and the vast majority are Omicron strains. But isn't Delta a thing of the past? Not so. Delta strains have been reported in animals in more than half of US states, usually in deer and mink, as well as around the world. Those strains can transmit back to people. Persistent infections in immunocompromised individuals, many of whom may not be aware that they're immunocompromised or that they have a long-term infection, means Delta lives on in patients worldwide. Already, scientists are eyeing new Deltacron variants XBC, XAY, and XAW, about which little is known. A Deltacron worst-case scenario would entail a variant that has Delta's lethal nature with the easy spread of Omicron, experts say. But such a combination may not occur. For example, Delta Kron's reported earlier this year, including XD in France and XS in the US, never took off.
0: Dog, why is this still happening? Like, that's just all I got. Why is this still happening? We are still here. And I, I found this story valuable just because I know for me personally. I thought that like this Delta was Delta. We off that. We passed that. We moved on to this new thing. And I really hadn't given a lot of thought to the fact that, yeah, a lot of these things are still like squirreling around and making things happen. But I guess maybe I hadn't given a lot of thought to the fact that those things are still squirreling around and making things happen in large part because I got my vaccine on. And so it's just like, OK, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to do whatever it is. And I'm going to wind up being cool. But I just can't see how we get to this point in it. And this is still going on. And by the way, man, we still having thousands of people go to the hospital. We still got people dying of this. And we just decided, eh, we just don't really want to pay much attention. That's all. We just don't really want to think about what this is. But this is still happening. And I think the part that maybe I find to be most surprising is that those who are like related to or close to people, who are still at risk, who are still suffering these adverse outcomes, I'm surprised they're not a little bit louder, right? As the people that need to remind you, like, hey, this is a thing. Like, we still got people with all these illnesses that are immunocompromised and everything. I'm really surprised that we don't hear from more of them just reminding everybody, like, baby, this is still a thing. This is still going on. And we still need to do something about this. Um, I don't know how many of y'all went out and got that new, new vaccine. I did. If you didn't, I don't know what you're waiting on right is right there just go to the drugstore you'll walk in they'll probably give the damn thing to you like I've given up on the idea that we're ever going to have a situation where COVID is not like a present part in our lives but I have not given up on the idea that some of y'all can still get your mind right and do something to make our situation better it's right there it'll take you just a couple of minutes I'm telling you it'll be a good thing for you to do Because right now, man, we got COVID, we got flu, and we got that RSV. I had never heard of that RSV, but now that's got people, especially rushing their kids to the emergency room and everything else. We can do a whole lot better by ourselves, man. It is not too late to do so. All right, Bo, this last story comes from politics. Here it is.
1: Hi, this is David Pearson, Southeast Asia correspondent for the Los Angeles Times. In something of a dystopian nightmare come to life, thousands of people from across Asia are being held captive in compounds in Cambodia and forced to run internet and telephone scams. Their ordeal usually starts with a Facebook ad offering high-paying customer service jobs. People, many out of work due to the pandemic, are targeted in Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, Taiwan, and Vietnam, to name a few. They're then taken to Cambodia and dumped in a high-rise building, their passport seized. They quickly learn there's no high-paying customer service job. Instead, they're asked to run catfishing scams, fake loan scams, online betting scams, and crypto scams. They target people from all over the world. The job has all the hallmarks of a sales boiler room, except for one thing. You can never leave on your own will. If you're the lucky few who does well, you're lavish with gifts and bonuses. If you don't, you're often beaten, tased, or locked in a room without food. A captive could find themselves bought and sold several times over from one scam business to another. There are hundreds of these operations across Cambodia, which is one of the poorest and most corrupt countries in Asia. That lawlessness has allowed major Chinese crime syndicates to take root in the country. Over the last few years, These crime bosses have opened casinos to attract visitors from China, where gambling is illegal. When the pandemic shut borders, they converted their gambling resorts to cyber-scam mills. The Cambodian government has been slow to acknowledge the crisis, mainly because members of the political elite are profiting from the mafia. Officials refuse to admit the vast majority of workers are being trafficked. It's difficult to overstate the human suffering inside these compounds. We're learning more details from people who have escaped and from heroic reporting from local Cambodian media outlets like VOD. Diplomatic pressure and media attention hasn't exactly slowed down the industry. Though hopefully, more people would think twice about who's on the other end the next time they're confronted by one of these scams.
0: Yo, man, can you imagine getting kidnapped to, like, do internet stuff? Like, that doesn't feel like the sort of thing to me that a crime syndicate would need to trick people into doing. Like, I would think you would just get them and play incredibly low rates. I really would not think that this would be something where you would need to round people up and, like, get them in there under untoward circumstances. That never dawned on me. That that really was just never something that I would think would need to happen until I saw this story. Like, this is the world that we are in. You are an internet slave like i'm not i would love to log out right now but i am not able to do so who would think of such a thing like all the things you could get people to do under those circumstances you're like yeah how'd you like to go sit down at this computer what who does that oh boy speaking of who does that All right, guys, all of this is going to make sense, right? Normally, this is the time where we have voicemails on the podcast. And the way we used to do the voicemails was I used to post a video and put it on the internet, put it on Instagram, put it on Twitter. And then you guys would come back with your phone calls about whatever the voicemail topic happened to be. But we figured out that people actually responded better when we said the voicemail topic during a podcast and then more people would hear it and they'd be more likely to call and we got more traction and it was less work for us. Okay, cool. But we were not able to get voicemails this week. And here's the reason why we weren't able to get voicemails this week. We weren't able to get voicemails this week because something happened that required us to take the Friday episode off the feed and not send it out to you guys but that is where we had said send in your voicemails okay so since that's where we had said send in your voicemails and by the time i had remembered oh snap we uncount you know we unscheduled the episode then we didn't have any voicemails and you're thinking to yourself well damn bomani why'd you guys have to unschedule the episode you know damn well why we had to man because Kyrie was tripping and that's why we had to unschedule that what had happened was we record the foxworth friday episode on thursday and boom, we do that. I leave. I go to a meeting. I come back. Kyrie done done his press availability and got out there and would not say anti-Semitism bad, which is basically what it seemed like people were trying to get out of him. He wouldn't say that. So then he gets suspended. So now me and Dominique got to come back and record that part again. And then after we record that part again, he gets suspended. But it was too late by then for us to record another one. So we just had to pull it back, right? So the whole Kyrie thing is the reason why the episode didn't go out. And on the episode, we were going to ask y'all to call in with your stories about the game cheating. Hey, get a leg up on next week. 860 516 Tell us why the game cheating. Okay, so I just want to take you guys back briefly because I feel like a lot of you just didn't understand where I was coming from. And I think you're going to understand where I'm coming from now. When I said last Sunday that the Nets needed to waive Kyrie, I think that people thought that I was making a moralistic argument that I was not trying to make. I was making a game theory argument. I was basically doing backwards induction. This is where it's going to end. And since it's going to end there, skip all the steps that cause you mess, that force you to make it in there, and just go ahead and nip it in the bud Right now, the Nets didn't do that because they're holding on to the hope that they can get something out of Kyrie. But my observation at that time was very simple. He's not going to back down. And if he doesn't back down, they're not going to be able to keep him. And if he doesn't back down, they're not going to be able to trade him. So why wait? Now, of course, man, you got to get something for him. I'm like, I'm telling you guys, they're not going to be able to get anything for him. Man, the Lakers will give something. He too good. Somebody, I'm like, guys, I don't think you're paying attention to what's going on. That's not going to be the case. He's not going to be tradable. And if you look at what's happened in the week since I said that, nothing that has happened has made Kyrie Irving tradable. In fact, I think most of what has happened has made it borderline impossible for him to be traded. Now Kyrie gets suspended on Thursday he puts up a post on Instagram with an apology that if I had to bet he did not write and the reason I say that is you don't go from where he was on Thursday morning to where he was on the Instagram post on Thursday night that fast you don't I don't think that's the case and I don't think we're in a terribly dissimilar situation to where we saw from say Deshaun Watson Uh, where there was a statement that was put out and then you put a microphone in his face and then he's talking a different story. Um, I think that in large measure, people felt similar about Kyrie where he said some things where he kind of backed down, but then when the rubber met the road, he gonna go right back out there and go hard with it, right? If you look at those conditions that the Nets are requiring of Kyrie to come back, okay? And I have seen those conditions in exact words. And it is very clear that they are written in legalese because the way that I saw them, it was stuff where like, you know, when you look at legal paperwork and, you know, they make reference to something and they were like, after this referred to as the blank and the thing is in capital letters, like that was how the thing was that I saw this. These are legal terms and conditions that they're putting out here for him to get back. They want him to make an apology and to sit in front of like make a very clear apology And put that apology out on his Twitter account. They want him to sit in front of media and take their questions. They want him to do sensitivity training. They want him to do anti-Semitism training. Um, They want him to meet with Jewish leaders in Brooklyn. They want him to meet with the Anti-Defamation League. They want him to give a donation to an organization. And after all that's done, they want him to come and sit with the owner and tell him what he has learned. And then once the owner is satisfied that Kyrie has learned his lesson and will not do anything like this again, then Kyrie can come back and play for the Nets. I would just like to make the note that they said that this suspension was a minimum of five games. And this sounds like a lot of work to get done in a span of five games. I don't know how he have time to do anything else with all the stuff that they are asking him to do in a span of five games. If that's when he's going to come back and you're not going to tell me that these messages are necessarily going to land with him in such a short period of time it leads me to believe that what the Nets are talking about is much less about reforming Kyrie and Kyrie showing that he has learned a lesson than it is about making Kyrie Irving bow down. Now, generally speaking, I am opposed to the idea of your bosses trying to make you bow down, right? Just on GP. I'm not here for it. But I can't pretend like I don't understand why it is that it reached a point that what they want is for him to bow down. And the reason I can't pretend like I don't get that is he was so difficult about this for so long, right? And refused to do some very simple things that could have gotten everybody out of this mess if he had wanted to do them. That I can understand why the team feels like, I guess we're just going to need to humble him. Like, I can see it. The problem is, that's a grown man, right? No matter how exactly it is that you feel about Kyrie and how you feel about what he has said, there are not many grown men who feel good about being humbled, right? Being told that they're going to be humbled by somebody who believes that they are his superior, and he doesn't see it that way. So you imagine being the person to go tell Kyrie, you're going to have to bow down before these folks. Does that sound to you like something that Kyrie is going to do? Like, does it sound to you like when it gets to a point that Kyrie is supposed to speak in front of media, that he is going to be able to hold it together to do all these things that these people have asked him? Like, I do think that he finally gets what I was trying to tell y'all before, and a lot of you didn't hear me. His career is at risk here, right? Right? it is not out of the realm of possibility that he's never going to play another game in the NBA. Like he's really rolled the dice on everything at this point. But I don't think there's any reasonable person that's paid attention to Kyrie or anything else that we've seen that looks at a situation where a team is going to hand him such a lengthy list of conditions, including telling him that he got to write checks and everything else. And that Kyrie is going to look at that and be like, all right. And not only is going to look at it and be like, all right, is then going to be able to hold that feeling all the way through all the things that they want him to do. I don't think that's something that he would be willing to do. And by the way, that's his decision. Kyrie wants a max contract. Kyrie wants his money. If he's willing to walk away from all that money in the name of this, then baby, that's your world and you get to do it. But I don't think that's him. I think he really wants this money. But I don't know what these are things that he's willing to do. Really for anything. And that makes me now look back at the Nets and say, why are you wasting time? Why don't you just go ahead and wave him? This is over. But I think the Nets want him to bow down. Like there's a measure of satisfaction that I think they as a team think they're going to receive from him bowing down. Because let me tell you what Kyrie coming back is not really going to do. Make them better. And you know why? Because while everybody has been demanding that Kyrie's teammates in the rest of the league stand up and have something to say about this, by the way, a demand that I don't recall seeing very often about the owners when it came to Robert Sarver or donald sterling nobody was making them say anything right and when you say the players you're not saying the players you're saying the black people right nobody's like yo how come luka dodgers ain't had nothing to say about this because that's not who you talking about you talking about the black people that's what this comes down to that's who you want to have something to say about this okay while everybody was so focused on that by the way for reasons i kind of understand I think there's a basketball level that's been missed. And the basketball level that's been missed is here we go again with Kyrie. Another thing that makes it such that Kyrie isn't playing. And this is the thing that makes it such that Kyrie isn't playing before whatever the next thing is going to be. That is the reason why Kyrie isn't playing. That leaves you with a roster full of guys who just got to be sick of this sh- Like, no matter what they think about what it is that he said, no matter how they feel about it or whatever, what they don't feel like is every day we go to work, we got to deal with something because of this dude. Right? And you can say, hey, Kyrie on all of this, whether it was the vaccine or anything else. Hey, Kyrie just got to do whatever it is that Kyrie has to do for himself, da-da-da. But in the end, man, he is part of something larger. He is part of a team. And maybe he believes these issues matter more than the team. That is entirely possible. I'm just telling you this about team sports, American professional team sports. It ain't too many dudes who keep coming up with this one thing that's bigger than the team. This is the second thing in two seasons that's been bigger than the team. For guys who play this game, the biggest thing is typically basketball. That's not the biggest thing to him. That's his right. But it's also the right of the dudes on the team to be like, yo, we are tired of something else always coming up first. We are tired of there always being a reason that we got to talk about whatever it is that this dude is out here doing. And so if Kyrie completes all the steps that the Nets have listed, if he does every single thing that they said, If he gets over that and Josiah is satisfied, does that mean Kevin Durant is going to be satisfied? Does that mean the rest of the team is going to be satisfied? So you're going to go through all this with Kyrie and you're going to try to break him and you're going to try to humble him and all of that stuff just to bring him back into a locker room that I imagine is tired of him. What is the good in that? Like, What are you guys holding on for? You don't want to lose him without getting something back, I guess. But how many of you can watch what's going on and see that list of demands, whether you are on Kyrie's side or not? How many of you can look at that and say, oh, yeah, he's going to do that and he's going to come back and everything's going to be cool? I can't. I can't do that. And if you don't think everything's going to be cool with all of this, then dead it. It's over. Tear the whole thing down. Try to trade Kevin Durant, get you some picks back, and keep your eyes toward the future. Because right now, Kyrie is the past. And I don't think he is ever going to be part of their present. And if they actually have him do all these things, I bet they ultimately regret that they tried to keep him in there right now. Everybody needs to move on. Everybody does and nobody's willing to do it one side because they already spent some money and the other side because they trying to get it and they are all going to lose all right ladies and gentlemen thanks so much for joining us here on the right time We do this three times a week, Gabe Bass saying, handling everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Also, thanks to our If You Haven't Heard contributors. Thanks to Samantha Cole of Vice. Check out her story about the corporate metaverse at vice.com. Thanks to Erin Prater of Fortune. Check out her story on the new COVID variants with the potential to attack the lungs at fortune.com and thank you to david pearson of the la times check out his story about a hundred thousand people held captive by chinese cyber criminals in cambodia remember follow the right time rate us review us give us five stars you only give us four stars i'm inclined to believe you are a hater and we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days take it easy